Well, I'm going to pick up my sermon. Now, as some of you know, this is my first time uh, preaching here, so getting used to the order of worship is something that'll take me a few weeks to do, as faith does it a little different. But it's just such a tremendous blessing to be here with you. Not just to be here in this place, but to be in Illinois, to be in Bloomington, to be in this area, to be here in Union Park, to celebrate Christ with brothers and sisters in Christ. Sarah and I have traveled quite a distance. We are from Arizona, so we traveled from Arizona to join you for the summer, and we're thankful for that. We know that we're blessed to be a blessing, and that's important. But meeting right here is important as well. As we grow disciples who make disciples, I love that theme that you guys have, that vision, that ministry that you're buying into and living out. That is so important. Now, if you see your face on the screen, that's a blessing as well. I don't know what's back there because I don't have eyes in the back of my head. So that's okay. My mom appreciated that. Moms seem to have eyes in the back of their head though, don't they? Us young people or younger people would know of that. But by now you know as a regular worshiper of faith that Pastor Brian is away. He's on sabbatical, celebrating time together with family, rejoicing in education time and uh, time away to get re-energized. And we are here, we've been called, Sarah and I, to be here at Faith Lutheran throughout the summer. So we look forward to getting connected with many of you during our time here. And God has blessed us. And I believe God has blessed you as well with so much. Just think, many of you have probably never had the challenge of not being able to pay the rent, as that one family Debbie just spoke of. What a blessing it is to have that, what we may consider simple financial security. So we have to appreciate the blessings that we have. We are truly called to be a blessing. So we're blessed to be a blessing. And that's the theme of this year, uh, the overall theme for Faith Lutheran, as we are blessed to be a blessing. Sarah and I, have, as I said earlier, have been with you. You just didn't know it. Since last year, we've been worshiping online with you. We've seen some interesting things. And I had to come sometimes ask Pastor Brian or John, the president of your congregation, you know, what's going on here and there. During uh, the sharing of the piece, I kept noticing this woman would go up to a camera and blow kisses. And I'm like, what the heck is going on there? And John goes, that's my wife, <laughs> which is Debbie. And she's doing it for others that aren't able to be here as well as family, as I understand. But what a beautiful sentiment, sending out the love that she has in Jesus Christ to others that aren't able to be with us. And by the way, welcome to those of, the, those of you who aren't able to be with us. You're online at this time. One of the important things I believe when being online is that you take an opportunity to fully worship, that you don't get distracted. Some of you, I just learned earlier this morning, were online this past week. And I pray you weren't distracted, that you took time and you focused on that time of worship, as Sarah and I did. We sat in our living room in Sun City, Arizona, worshiping week after week with you in a variety of ways. Sometimes we do the full worship. Oftentimes we do just the sermon, depending upon our time and our, our commitments of that week. But we grew closer to Jesus Christ with you 
during those times. And I'm very thankful that the ministry of streaming is available here for faith to reach out beyond the walls in that special way. We learn more and more about being disciples of Jesus Christ during that time. That being a disciple of Jesus Christ tells us that we're blessed to be a blessing. And many of you are aware that that phrase, those words, blessed to be a blessing, comes from Genesis 12, verse 2. So a little background on that. Let me share that scripture with you. Leave your country, your people, and your father's house, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Wow. Abraham's hearing these words, these uh, instructions from God. And because he heard and listened, uh, men in the congregation, I learned a long time ago that I just can't hear my wife. I have to listen to her. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we just can't hear what God is saying through his word. We have to listen to what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through the word. That isn't the whole story, that scripture that's on the screen though. I'd like to share the rest of the story with you. See, here's how it continues. I will bless you, God says to Abraham, and you will be a blessing, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's us, all peoples. It's continued upon the generations and the generations and the generations, and will continue after we leave, because God is the God of all things here, and we're thankful for that. We as followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, are blessed. And because of that, we're called to bless others. Not just here on Sunday morning, this is a great opportunity to bless others. But on Monday, maybe when you go to work, you're called to be a blessing. Maybe when you arrive on Tuesday and you go to pick up tacos, bless those that you connect with. Or Wednesday at one of your life groups, bless one another during that time. Or Thursday, if you go out to coffee, bless the people you come in contact during that time. Maybe it's Friday, and you have a tradition to go out to Five Guys. Good hamburgers, by the way. Uh, bless the people that are there. Remember, we're called to be a blessing. Oh, and maybe it's Saturday, and you're one of those guys that loves to go to Lowe's. Remember, bless them. Even though that doesn't seem like anybody's there to help you, but still try to bless them. If you're one of the Home Depot guys, yeah. Anyways, it's important that we bless one another because as Christians, as we walk in our Christian life, we have the opportunity to do that, to bless other people, to be invitational to them, to bring friends and family together who may not know Jesus Christ yet, but through our actions, through the Holy Spirit working in and through us, we can bless them. So think about ways to do that. Pastor Brian, in his message last week, shared the difference between a Christian and a disciple of Jesus Christ. Some of you may recall that, who were able to listen to the message. What I took away from that one point that's coming up on the screen, being a Christian is who we are, but being a disciple is what we do. So think about the things that you do in your daily life. It's so important for us to know. 
and to be known as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So again, being a Christian is who we are. We should be known as being a disciple in what we do. Now let's jump out of first gear and get going into today's specific theme, Moses and the burning bush. It's found in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. So if you have your Bible and you want to open to that, I encourage you to do that. Take notes. I grew up in a household that it was almost forgotten. You, you, you shouldn't write in the Bible. You're, you're diminishing God's word by putting your notes in the Bible. But my Bibles, many of them are just written around, highlighted. So I encourage you to bring your Bibles, write, take notes in them. Or if you use your phone and you use an app for your Bible, that's great. Get that out now. Turn to Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. I use the YouVersion app. It's a great app. It's free, which is wonderful. Put together by Life Church, so we're thankful for that. And you're able to get into God's Word through that, look up a lot of things, even do daily devotions within the YouVersion app. So while you turn to Exodus 3, I want to remind us who Moses was. And maybe some of us will discover some more uh, biblical information that we didn't have already. According to the Torah, which when the world hears Torah, yeah, that's what they think. Torah, Torah, Torah. They think of the attack on Pearl Harbor in America. The world thinks of that. But of course we know as Christians, when we hear the word Torah, we're looking at the first five books of the Bible. Torah literally means instruction or some sort of guidance in life. But when the Jews say Torah, they're looking at the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, as many of them would say. They're the foundation of all Jewish faith and instruction and guidance for life. FYI, if you aren't familiar with it, in the Greek, it's called the Pentateuch, five penta. So that's in the Greek, but in the Hebrew language for the Jewish people, it's referred to as Torah. Let's say the Torah books together. I bet you know them without looking at the screen, right? Let's do that together. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Stop right there. That's five. Some of you might go on, but those five books are something that many of us are familiar with. That we have these first five books of the Bible that tradition tells us were divinely dictated to Moses and then given to the people of God and given to us still to this day and to generations to come. Now the life of Moses is an amazing one. It started with a cruise down the Nile. I've never cruised down the Nile, but Moses has in a unique way. Let's start with his name. The name Moses comes from the Hebrew verb meaning to pull out or to draw out of the water. So that's how Moses got his name. And think about that. Moses got his name not from a Hebrew, but from somebody in Pharaoh's household. The infant Moses was given his name by Pharaoh's daughter after she rescued him from the Nile. How do we know this? Exodus chapter 2, verse 10. When the child grew older, she, I'm going to stop there. Who is the she? Well, the she within this scripture of Exodus 2 is Moses' birth mother, 
who was also a servant in Pharaoh's daughter's household. The birth mother of Jochebed, who was not only the mother of Moses, but the mother of Aaron and Miriam as well. And they were of the tribe of Levi. That's a great connection for us as well to know. Continuing on. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she, he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So there's where we get that clear definition and understanding of Moses and his name. The name of Moses in Hebrew would, would sound more like Moshe. So the, if a Hebrew was saying it, it wouldn't sound like Moses. It would be more like Moshe. Brian, in his European travels, probably won't hear the name Moses very often because in Europe, Moses isn't as common as a transliteration of that name. Maurice, Morris, or Mauricio would be the Moses connection within the cultures that Brian may be traveling in. So Moses and, of course, God are the focus this morning. I want to lift up the books, Discover Your Gifts, and the workbook that many of you are going through as well. I was actually informed that 90 plus of you are participating in life groups, walking through the book and the workbook as well. Sarah and I have been following along with that as well, and we look forward to seeing you in life groups. We're going to take time to go to each one, as long as you invite us. We're gonna to come to each one and enjoy time with you. Our specific topic today, as Jeff pointed out, Moses, entrepreneurial. I love what it says in the center of the wheel that's on the screen behind me. As disciples of Jesus, we can understand that everyone's a gift with gifts to share. Do you realize that? That the person next to you, the person in front of you, the person in back of you has gifts to share? Are you encouraging them? Or are they encouraging you to share the gifts that God has already placed in their life? Or maybe you can help them develop those gifts or they can help you develop those gifts that God has placed in their lives. I enjoy the quote on page 27 of the workbook, which begins session three on entrepreneurship. The first quote shared by Milton Burrell, some of you may have known him. Uh, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door, right? If you're an entrepreneur and you keep getting doors, windows, everything shut, you figure out a way to make something happen. If opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. More importantly on that same page is Isaiah 43, verse 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I ask you, is God doing a new thing in your life? He sure is in mine. Sarah and I traveled about 2,500 miles to get here because we took a detour. We went to Michigan to get to Bloomington. GPS, no, it wasn't. My mother lives there and family there, so we went to visit them. But this is God doing a new thing in our life and in your life as well at this time as Brian is away and we are here to minister. Not only is God doing a new thing in our travels, but he's doing a new thing for me. I've only preached two times since I retired in 2021. I've been extremely nervous, just to let you know. I haven't slept well the past two nights because I knew of this opportunity. I knew God would take care of it, 
and he would handle it. But as many of you, we recognize God's in control, but we're still nervous about it. Not nervous that he's in control. Nervous about our own challenges. So you're experiencing something new. I know God's doing something new in me, and I pray in you as well. I pray that the Holy Spirit continues to spring forth this morning. I felt it as we started singing this morning. I love that, and I've complimented Jeff on that, that when the Holy Spirit is present, we can know it. We can sometimes feel it. Last week, I didn't share this with you, last week during the second song, I got goosebumps. I'm like, this is awesome. Sometimes I get goosebumps, and I understand that God is present. And sometimes I start sweating, and you can see that that'd be easy to see because I don't have anything to hold it back. But Pastor Brian and I have that in common, don't we? But I've been follically challenged since early 90s. He hasn't. But, but sometimes I get warm. I don't know if you've ever felt the sensation of the Holy Spirit, and there's a, a warm tingling going on. And you just can't wait to express what God is doing in your life. Allow me to share again from the workbook, page 28, where it states, entrepreneurial gifts help you identify new opportunities, set goals, and design strategies to achieve them. Gifts include analytical thinking, market research, marketing skills, problem solving, and sales. Is this one of your life skills, one of your gifts? or multiples, maybe within this scope? Is this somewhere in your wheelhouse at all? Maybe you're right there. You're like, that's me. I've got all that going on. And now you have to uh, pray and figure out how God wants you to use that to glorify him, to build his kingdom. Sarah and I have a friend, her name is Aaron, we worship together at Hope Church in North Phoenix. And Erin has these entrepreneurial gifts. So much so, so that she was hired by Focus on the Family. Many of you are familiar with that ministry out of Colorado. And many of you may have seen her work already. There's a commercial that is entitled uh, Focus on the Family Campaign, Give a Child a Chance. Because Focus on the Family is very much pro-life. And they're talking about opportunities to help agencies maybe have resource, financial resources, so that women thinking about having an abortion can then have an ultrasound and see their child in the womb. Percentages tell us that once that happens, high percentage of women change their mind from going to have an abortion to having the child. So we can pray about that. But Aaron has these entrepreneurial gifts and she's helping focus on the family and I pray impacting thousands upon thousands of women in particular. We acknowledge that we are blessed to be a blessing and in doing so, we are called to use our gifts, entrepreneurial gifts, if that's what it is, to glorify God. Let's begin to look at Moses in today's focus text to see how these gifts are within his life as a servant of God. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, as I said, I've been watching 
and viewing Pastor Brian and his messages, and I thought, there is so much to unpack in this first verse that I could probably do a half hour on that. But as one kind gentleman said to me last week as he was departing, you don't have to preach as long as Brian does. <laughs> I've never told anybody that name of who that said, so keep it to yourself if you know. I won't spend a half hour just unpacking this one, believe me. 25 minutes, but... Anyways, there's so much to unpack. First, why was Moses tending a flock? Remember we, Moses, he was a prince of Egypt. He was a big shot. But now we have him in verse 1 of chapter 3 in Exodus. He's tending a flock. When most of us hear of Moses, we think of the baby in the Nile or the ten plagues or maybe parting the Red Sea. Charlton Heston, some of you re realize that's the one on the screen. Many of you may recall that Moses grew up in an Egyptian household, more like a palace, and he was blessed in that setting as he was saved from certain death as a baby. He grew up privileged, but then again, why on earth is he now tending a flock? Well, actually, to see the truth of why he's doing it, he began to connect with his true people, the Hebrews the ones that were enslaved, the ones that Pharaoh had doing all the construction for him. Exodus verse 2, verses 11 through 15, you can turn to that in your Bibles or your app if you'd like to. In the course of time, Moses grew up. Then he went to see his own people and watched them suffering under forced labor. He saw a Hebrew, one of his own people, being beaten by an Egyptian. He looked all around, and when he didn't see anyone, he beat the Egyptian to death and hid the body in the sand. This is one of the heroes of our faith. When Moses went there the next day, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. He asked the one who started the fight, why are you beating another Hebrew? The man asked, who made you our ruler and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Can you imagine Moses in that moment? the heart probably sank. Then Moses was afraid and thought that everyone knew what he had done. When Pharaoh heard what Moses had done, he tried to have him killed. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. So he, fled, he led his flock to Mount Horeb. Next slide, please. Next slide, I think. Mount Horeb. I, th I knew I wasn't on the right slide because I didn't hear you laugh. Because that's Wisconsin. <laughs> so he didn't stay in Wisconsin. Moses never got to Wisconsin to be, despite what some faith traditions would tell you. But he is in Mount Horeb in what we would call the Middle East. And that's the next slide. He's also, this uh, mountain, Mount Horeb, is also called Mount Sinai. Most of us know it as that, Mount Sinai. They're one in the same. Uh, the Bible tells us this is the mountain of God because God appeared there many times. So we know this location, as you can see behind me. Why is it that Moses is there? Well, he receives a calling. Moses, once in Egypt, 
traveled a long way to escape Pharaoh, traveled to Midian, as you saw earlier on the screen. That was a long way. Now he's at Mount Horeb, also called Mount Sinai. This isn't the first blessing in the Bible of this mountain, but it's the first name blessing in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. So God appeared to Moses on this holy mountain in a burning bush. Finally, we're to the burning bush, you're thinking. Because Jeff talked about it, now we're there. But first, here's a couple interesting points about burning bush. When Sarah and I arrived a few decades ago in Lake Havasu City, Arizona, some of you may have been there on vacation, we were going to interview for an associate pastor's position, and Sarah was taking a walk that confirmed that we should be there. She walked past a shop that there was a sign on the building that said, Burning Bush Bike Shop. And she immediately connected this with Scripture. Burning Bush. And then, for those of you who maybe have traveled to the Chicago area, there's an interesting place up there, the Burning Bush Brewery. It's run by Brent, who is a former Church of Christ pastor in North Riverside, Illinois. So a man of God has started this burning bush brewery. By the way, if you just happen to go there, make sure you tell them you heard about it here, right? It's just to give them a surprise and bless them. Let's continue. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2 begins. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. Right here we see another point within the entrepreneurial gifts of Moses. Research. He wants to figure out what's going on here. And he's going towards the burning bush. His curiosity set forth. He wants to see what's happening in the burning bush. He's gathering information. He's investigating. Maybe a little market research. I don't know. But when we look deeper into this text remaining on the screen, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames. Remember that. Some translations say messenger. When we see messenger in the Bible, oftentimes it's translated as angel as well. So we have that connection. I wonder if you're listening to messengers in your life. People that come into your life and share something with you I hope you don't disregard everything people share with you because sometimes it could be a messenger from God through a friend sharing something with you that can improve your life, improve your relationship with God, with Jesus the Christ. Maybe that friend will share what they feel about your entrepreneurial gifts and how you can better use them to glorify God. Let's continue in the Word. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Now, wait a second. So Moses sees a burning bush. It's not getting consumed. He walks over to it. He hears a voice from the bush calling his name out twice. Moses, Moses. And all he says is, here I am? Come on, man. That's not something that we would do. We would probably be scared, hiding, covering, 
just aghast at what's going on. But of course, we aren't Moses. We aren't Moses. Did you notice the transition in the text? We went from the messenger of God, the angel in the bush, to now God in the bush, calling to Moses. Jumping back to scripture, verse five. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I love the connection that Jeff made in the beginning about holy ground, about taking off your sandals, those things that are possibly holding you back from a deeper relationship with Jesus. Standing on holy ground. Whenever I read this text, I'm reminded of a, a song called Holy Ground. No, please no, it's not the Taylor Swift version of Holy Ground. Or even the Hillsong United, a Christian group out of Australia, their Holy Ground version. It was a gospel song written in the early 80s. And if you would give me this opportunity. This is holy ground. We are standing on holy ground. For the Lord is present, and where he is, is holy. Please know that I know I'm vocally challenged. I've never told anybody that I can sing, except for to sing praises to God. Don't ever let somebody say, oh, your voice isn't that good. Stop you from singing praises to God. Of course, that's often why I sit towards the front, maybe the front row. Because if I'm in back of you, you know, you have to hear it. But please know that it's a blessing to sing praises to God, especially here in community and church. I rejoice in singing joyfully unto the Lord, and I pray you can as well. Returning to this holy ground reference, there's actually about 34 references to holy ground within our Bible. And this is one of the early references that we find in verse 5 that's behind me on the screen. Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. We are blessed to see that Moses obeys God, right? He removes his sandals and approaches. We have many pictures, many works of art that depict that as well. Scripture. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So we went from God calling Moses out in a bush twice to Moses obeying God to now hiding from God. How often has that happened in your walk with Jesus? Where you hear him speaking to you, you read his word and obey it, and then for some reason you hide from him. I know I've done that. I know I've fallen short of God's glory. I know I've sinned. Many of you probably have as well. Actually, I'm assuming all of you have. That's one of the reasons we follow Jesus, because we admit that within ourselves. If you have fallen short of the glory of God, you're in good company. You're in great company. It's been happening since Adam and Eve. They heard God. They obeyed God, at least for a little while. And then they hid from God. This story is repeated throughout Scripture and even into our modern time. 
So we're in good company when we do that ourselves. Not that we should do that, but we often will do that. Why do we hide from God? Why do we hide from the one that created us in his image? Why do we hide from the very God who loved us, who loves us so much that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus the Christ, to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins? Why do we hide from him? Well, as I said, I've used that term, we've fallen short of his glory. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul wrote, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we recognize that within ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. So today, if you're feeling that you've, you've fallen short a bit, know that God loves you. Know that you have, I pray, brothers and sisters in Christ, especially in your life groups, that can come around you and uphold you. And know as we did earlier, as Jeff shared that time of confession, and then John, the absolution, that when we come to God with an open heart, he wipes it clean clean as snow, we're told in Scripture. From Moses to the person sitting next to you, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Let's get back to Scripture, chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's clear to me that God hears our cries, that God doesn't want us to be alone in our challenges, that he wants to walk that journey with us every day that God desires us to have an abundant life, to be part of that land of milk and honey. Verse 8, God promises to take the Israelites out of slavery, out of slavery in Egypt to a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey. The Hebrew word for Egypt, it's Mizraham, which literally means narrow places. Have you ever been in one of those confining spaces and you just don't feel like you have the freedom because everything around you seems to be closing in on you. Some people have sensed that as a type of slavery because they've been engulfed by something and they can't get out of it. Narrow places, constricted, oppressive places. That's what the Israelites, the Hebrew people were in but God in his fullness desires freedom for the people of Israel in wide and spacious places, in a land so fertile that is flowing with milk and honey, standing in contradiction to the place of oppression that they were in Egypt. Some theologians have speculated that perhaps the promise of is of nourishing food or perhaps a nourishing spiritual walk or perhaps it's a promise of both, then and now for us. But no matter, God fulfills his promises and we can be eternally grateful that he does that. Returning to our focus text, verses nine through 11. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, 
I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I, Moses said. Well, God chose Moses, obviously. Brought him to a burning bush, spoke to him, gave him instruction. He didn't choose Moses because Moses had all the gifts in the world. It's not like you can go to that wheel of gifts that we have in the workbook and go, yeah, Moses had that, he had that, he had that already. It's not that Moses was just on top of everything. But God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. As you see that on the screen, think of your own life. Maybe God's called you into something and you don't feel equipped. Well, if you were already so equipped and you had so much going on already, the power of God may not be as present. But when God calls us into something that we're like, this is a little scary. I don't know if I'm ready for this. We, as disciples of Jesus Christ, are called to trust in him that he will equip us with what we need to glorify him. So God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And as you go through the Discover Your Guest workbook, you can see within that, that you realize you don't have all those gifts. Maybe you don't have as many gifts as the person that's sitting next to you in life group as you're going through it. And that's okay. Maybe God won't call you to be an entrepreneur as we understand it. But God will call you and he will equip you. Remember that. Don't beat yourself up. Just remember that when God calls you, he will equip you. Let's go towards the finish line of our focus text. Verse 12 shares. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on the mountain. This mountain, it says. We know that Moses responds to God's call. We've all went through the story. Ten plagues, parting of the Red Sea, the journey. But Moses didn't just jump on board right away. He hesitated to go forward. Much like some of us that we hear God, we want to obey God, but some of us will hesitate in doing so. Again, we're in good company. Moses hesitated. I won't go into all the detail of that. But we know that God answered all of Moses' doubts, placed people in Moses' life, and told Moses that I will be with you. A promise made to Moses. And this echoes the writings of Paul found in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Think of that in your life. We also know from our focus text that God gives Moses the first of many signs, meaning to confirm the message given through the burning bush. Moses has promised that he will be successful in returning God's people to the very mountain that the burning bush is at. You may recall the map that was up there earlier. He's with Pharaoh and his family way over here in Egypt and goes all the way around past mountains and water and ends up in Midian. 
And then because of maybe his gifts when he's shepherding, he's like, that Mount Horeb has some really good feed for my sheep. I'm going to go all the way back over there. And now he's talking to God and God said, you will return here with my people. Moses had to say, I've walked a long ways already, dude. But if that's what you want, I'll do it because you're calling me into it and you're going to equip me to do it. Get the freedom from slavery. Return to this location, Mount Horeb, or Mount Sinai, as I shared earlier. Uh, if you read that in Scripture, don't get the two confused. They're one and the same, actually. And as I wrap up this first message with you, the saints of Faith Lutheran here and online, allow me to repeat something I feel is very important. We acknowledge and accept that God calls and equips us with gifts to build his kingdom. And if we acknowledge that, we of course then can acknowledge and accept that God desires us to be known as disciples of his one and only begotten son, Jesus the Christ. And as a disciple, we can then understand that we are blessed to be a blessing. Back to that theme of this year. So just like Moses was plugged into the power of God, think of that, through the burning bush, we too should be plugged into being a disciple. Being plugged in is being part of being here on Sunday morning, being part of a life group, being part of devotions. But why is it important to be plugged in? Well, I want to express to you, people of faith, you're like an extension cord. Now you're thinking, this new guy, he's telling me I'm an extension cord? That's a bit of a reach. But if an extension cord is to work, it's got to be plugged into power, right? If you plug something into the other end of the extension cord and think it's going to work, it won't unless it's plugged in to the power. We all need to be plugged into the power of God. We all can be that extension cord beyond the walls of this Sunday morning worshiping time. We, as people of faith, Lutheran, can then declare Jesus Christ as the power in our life, can have the Holy Spirit working in and through us to declare the glory of God as Moses did as well. So I want to encourage you to regularly get plugged in during this summertime, as sometimes we go on vacations and things like that. But if you can regularly plug into worship, here in person and or online, that would be great. Go to YouVersion or Today in the Word apps to do devotions. That's a way of getting plugged in. And also being part of a life group. If you aren't part of a life group yet, I encourage you to do so. Talk to someone at the welcome table afterwards and make sure to get plugged in so you can extend the power of Christ to other people. Would you bow your heads in a moment of prayer? Father God, Thank you for speaking to Moses through the burning bush. Provide us with like experiences in order that your warmth, your fire, your power be with us. Continue to bless us so that we, like Moses, can be a blessing to others. Lord, in your mercy.